oh us dang recruiters we make so many mistakes and that's what we're going to be talking about today you are listening to the career talk learn grow thrive podcast where we talk about all things career related and i tell you how it is today is episode number 26 where we are going to be talking about 12 common mistakes that recruiters make i am your host stephanie dennis and my background is in human resources which is what i have my master's degree in my passion is really helping others and sharing my knowledge so i made this podcast this is a good time to mention this podcast does contain adult language Okay, everybody, this episode is going to be talking about 12 common mistakes recruiters make. And I will start off this episode by saying I have a recruiting background and I am guilty of almost all of these at some point in time. When I first started recruiting, I was freaking terrible. Not good. I didn't know what I was doing. I was still learning. But once you learn, you grow so you can do better. That's our theme here. We all get that. But I just want to point this out because I know there's a lot of recruiters out there who make these mistakes, but I also, from all of the candidates I talk to and just like people in my day-to-day life, I know people are so frustrated by these things and I want to do the most I can to try and minimize these mistakes and just educate people on maybe what they are and give the non-recruiters maybe some insight. All right, so let's get into this here. 12 common mistakes recruiters make. Number one is they forget to infuse their personality into their recruiting. And this one is hard because depending on what company you work for, the corporate culture might be very professional and very buttoned up and I don't want to say boring, but kind of like status quo. That's not even the right word. I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but I want to encourage you if you're a recruiter to put your personality into it. And I'm even guilty of this. Like if I have a really, really busy day where I'm booked back to back to back to back to back with phone interviews, it's really hard for me after so many calls to be myself. And what I mean by that is just energetic and enthusiastic. And I'm guilty of this often on my busy, busy days. It's something if recruiters are doing it, they may know, but they may not. But even in like your emails and even when you're emailing with recruiters, I would encourage people to just let their personality show as much as they can because you're going to attract people who appreciate you for you. Okay, number two is not following up with the candidates. And this one bugs the hell out of me. I, oh my gosh, I can't even. Like, I can't even, you guys. If you're a recruiter, you have to follow up with your candidates. And I want candidates to understand that sometimes as a recruiter, the follow-up that we can send legally is that canned rejection letter. I talk to a lot of people who get so frustrated and hate those canned emails, but sometimes that's as much as we get to send. So don't be upset if you get a canned rejection letter after a phone interview or after an in-person interview, because sometimes that's all we get to do. But even if it's that, people want to know, like, are they in or are they out? So don't forget, be following up. And candidates, if you haven't heard from a recruiter and you haven't got a canned uh, response at a very minimum, certainly feel free to follow up with your recruiter and say, hey, just wanted to check in. 
And don't be mean and rude about it because I've had people be like, it's been three days since we talked. I'm like, good God, the hiring manager is on, you know, Christmas break or whatever. So, you know, give it a reasonable amount of time. And what I even recommend to people is asking, you know, during a phone interview, hey, if I don't hear from you by when, you know, when can I follow up? Number three is that recruiters are fake or ingenuine or they're not really personalizing their outreach. And this has actually happened a lot to me. And I think the biggest mistake is on LinkedIn or on like a like a job board, like Career Builder, Monster, or Indeed, or what have you, is they'll do a, a keyword search of sales, you know, and then they'll do a mass send of everybody who showed up in those search results with sales or whatever the keyword is that they're looking for. And they'll blast everybody without looking at the resume or without looking at the profile. And this is really discouraging because I, at one point, had on my LinkedIn profile that I recruited for sales folks and I would get sales messages all the time. So I actually deleted all of those keywords out of my profile on purpose so I didn't show up in their search. So I wasn't getting all those spammy messages, but it really ticked me off because I'm like, really? Because on LinkedIn, you can see, right, when people look at your profile, it'll say so-and-so looked at your profile. And it's like, you didn't even look at my profile. You didn't even look at the title that shows up in the search results. Like you didn't even look at your own search results. You just typed in a few keywords and mass send. So that one bothers me personally. And I try my very, very hardest to review every single resume, every single profile before I reach out to people because... I've had, okay, so confession. When I was first a recruiter, I was like a month one. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I was probably like a freaking hot ass mess, but I did just that. I went on LinkedIn and we had a recruiter seat. So I typed in my keywords and I mass sent a bunch of messages to people and people who were in my shoes, right? In my shoes now, they were upset and understandably because I was emailing people who were 0% relevant to what I was searching for. And they responded like, why would you email this to me? Why do you think I'm qualified? And I felt so dumb and I felt so bad and I felt so small. And so that was a huge learning lesson in a pretty shitty way to do it. But it taught me like, look, just take the time to look. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox on that one. Number four is making a bad hire even though their gut tells them not to. So we all know, follow your gut. I'm trying to think. I don't think I've moved forward with a hire if my gut told me no without expressing those feelings to a hiring manager. At a very minimum, if you're a recruiter, you need to express those feelings to a hiring manager. And if they want to move forward despite how you feel about it and despite your red flags, that's up to them. They're the hiring manager. They get to make the call. But as a recruiter, it's our job to educate the hiring manager on our red flags because we interview way more often than they do. They might have an opening once a year and we're interviewing people every day. Same for candidates. If you have a bad gut feeling about accepting an offer, don't do it. Just follow your gut. They're, gosh, Google it because I don't know. I have no idea what the studies are uh, and who to cite for this, but Google something about this, like the scientific correlation between your gut and fact or something to that effect. But I know I've heard studies out there where there's it's actually tied to brain chemistry and your gut feeling, something along those lines, but it turns out to be true. So essentially what I'm trying to say is your gut feelings are there for a reason. Okay, number five is trying to push a candidate through the process when they would be taking a pay cut 
or a significant step back in their career. Now, there's always exceptions. Don't get me wrong. There are people who want to, I don't want to say come back from a leadership role, but step out of a leadership role might be a better way to phrase that. And there are certainly people who have taken pay cuts for a significant career opportunity. I get that. I get the exceptions. But more often than not, if we're pushing people through the process and they're taking a significant pay cut for no uh, seemingly good reason, or they're taking a huge step back in their career from a growth and a career path perspective, those are the folks that more often than not, again, there's always exceptions, who are going to cause high turnover. And if you're looking for a job, I want to encourage you to really think about that. I think it's easy for candidates to say they're open to taking a pay cut if they feel desperate, like if you were just laid off or a layoff is coming or your company just announced an acquisition, right? So all these things put pressure on you. But ultimately, you need to really think through something like that before you commit to it. Number six, and I am guilty of this, is not leaving a buffer in my schedule. So if I am super busy one week, I might be back to back all day. And here's what happens. And it almost never freaking fails <laughs> is I have one call right away in the morning and the person's a talker, which is fine. That's not necessarily a bad thing. They're just chatty and oh shit, the call's long. So now I have to get off the phone because I'm late for another call. And then it just dominoes and I'm either working super late or working into my lunch, or maybe I don't get to have time to have lunch, which is 0% healthy. I always leave a buffer and I try and block out chunks of my day. And I learned this uh, when I was recruiting in the agency is in the morning, I would have one or two hours of dedicated time where I was either making phone calls or I had phone interviews scheduled. And then I'd have, uh, I think it was like a half hour or an hour of admin time. And then it was lunchtime. And then I'd have another chunk of time for admin time as well before I had another big chunk of call time. And that was, I think it was like two or three hours if I remember correctly. And then I left myself time at the end of the day for more admin time. So during the admin times, I could do emails. I could follow up phone calls if I miss somebody and have to follow up on a voicemail or, or whatever the case may be, get contracts ready or offer letters sent out. So it's just really important to make sure you have that. And blocking off your day like that was everything to me. I still do that to this day because I understand how productive it is. It's like machining, assembly. All the widgets are at assembly block A and all of those get done and then they all move to B, right? So the work is done in chunks. So same with your work day. Okay, so the seventh common mistake recruiters make is they act as though everybody should want to talk to them. And it's almost kind of, and it feels like I should say this like false sense of entitlement, like, oh, just because I'm a recruiter, everybody should want to talk to me. Well, that's not necessarily the case. And I think this is because as the recruiting industry, we've done a really good job on encouraging candidates to really assess whether or not jobs and different careers are going to be a really good fit for them, which is an amazing thing because people are asking more questions. They're being more inquisitive during interviews. They're understanding culture, that sort of thing before accepting an offer. And so if you're a recruiter, you need, or a hiring manager for that matter, 
You need to be providing candidates with enough information where they're going to want to have a conversation with you. Just because we're recruiters doesn't mean they want to talk to us. More often than not, what I've found is because I'm a recruiter, they don't even necessarily want to waste their time talking to me because they're good, which is fine. Like actually, when I send people messages on LinkedIn and they're like, hey, Steph, thanks for reaching out, but I'm really happy where I'm at. That makes my heart so happy. It truly does because there are a lot of people out there who are really miserable at their job. And so to hear people out there who love it is a really, really good thing in my mind. So I like hearing that. So not everybody wants to talk. Anyway, number eight is leaving candidates voicemails, but not emailing them. And I, this is more so like a personal pet peeve of mine because every time in the past when I've put my resume out on the internet, on the job boards, career builder, indeed, that sort of thing, is I would get a lot of phone calls and I would be usually at work, busy all day. <laughs> and by the time I was done working, the recruiters were gone, but then they never would bother to email me. And I think in the day and age that we're in now, I actually get more responses on email than I do voicemail. So I actually email people first before I even bother to call them uh, because everybody's on email. Like if you're in a meeting, you could respond to an email, but you're not going to pick up the phone in front of a, you know, a group of your colleagues to answer the phone for God knows what reason, because it could be a recruiter, it could be a telemarketer. You don't know what's on the other end of that call. Your mom, your dad, like, I don't know, spouse, who knows, your kiddos. So I would just encourage everybody, email and call. If you're going to call, do both. Just make sure you send a quick email because you just never know what that person is doing. Number nine is there are a lot of recruiters out there that don't have the candidate's best interest at heart. Instead, they have their wallet as number one, their top priority. And I get it. Like people need to make a living. However, I promise you, if you are a recruiter or a hiring manager, you will make so much more money if you put the candidate first. It's like in business, right? When businesses do what's best for their customers and put their customers first, profits follow. Same with recruiting. It's about people. It's not about making money. It's about someone's career. It's about their life. Someone's job can literally change their life for the better and sadly, sometimes for work. So we need to be sure as a recruiting community that we are putting number one priority is what's in the best interest for my candidate. Does this job align with what they want? I could probably go on for hours about this one, but I'll just stop right there. <laughs> number 10 is sending mass emails to the wrong type of candidates. And I kind of got into this one with number three, but I really just want to reiterate that if you're a recruiter, just make sure you're not just mass emailing a bunch of candidates. Make it personalized, individualized, review the resume, make sure it's a fit. I would even recommend to personalize it in a way like, hey, I saw you went to ABC school. So did I go whatever, you know, whatever the mascot is, like, go gophers or whatever, because that's going to build a connection and it's going to give them that much more reason to respond. Now, I know on LinkedIn, it's a little bit of an exception because you can do templates, but just make sure that before you're sending those templates out that you still reviewed 
the profile or the resume and so whatever the template is you're planning to send is still applicable. Okay, number 11 is not understanding the company culture. And this one is sometimes tricky because sometimes you might work with several different companies as a recruiter. And so you've never actually worked in the company, but you're an outside agency recruiting for the company. But I would encourage you to really talk to your hiring managers and make them explain what's the culture like, even like what the physical work environment is like. You know, is it everybody has their own office? Is it all open space? Understanding even little stuff like that is going to be really helpful. And number 12 is can't or are unable to provide information about the company or the position. And this one is kind of like mind boggling to me because sometimes I have received phone calls like as potential candidate where recruiters like, hey, I have this job. And they give me like a quick snippet, like 10 seconds. And I'll ask them a question or like, oh, yeah, sure. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Thinking that was like their hook, right, to get me interested. And as a side note, if I get a call from a recruiter, not because I'm always looking, but I'm always open to hearing more because I have a lot of people in my network. So even if you're not looking for a job and if you get a call or an email, I would always just encourage people to be open to having a conversation because one, you never know how this person might be able to help you in the future, but you also might be able to help someone in your network find a really, really great job for them. But anyway, so just be sure that you have enough information that you can provide to candidates about the company and about the position. And if you feel like you don't have enough or you could probably talk for a solid minute or two about the company and the position, then you need to get on the phone or you have an email template you can send out to the hiring manager to gather that information. Okay, that's it. That's my 12 common mistakes recruiters make. Now, if you're not a recruiter and you've experienced some of these frustrations on the candidate side, I would say recruiters are human and we, of course, all make mistakes. But also, as much as recruiters are trying to educate the general public on, you know, a lot of the stuff we talk about here, right? Like interview tips, resume tips, like how to make your resume look better. As the general public, we also need to be making sure we're doing a good job educating our recruiters on what we need and what we expect so they can get better as well. I hope you found this information both helpful and valuable. As always, thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. I really do appreciate it. You can find more information in this episode's show notes at findingthebestfit.com. And if you're looking for other episodes that talk about recruiting, check out episode number 18, where I talk about the three main types of recruiting. And be sure to come back next week for episode number 27, where we talk about how to prepare for an interview, specifically talking behavioral-based questions. In case you haven't heard, there's also a Facebook group created for the listeners of this podcast to come together and help and support each other. Uh, You can simply head over to Facebook and enter the name of the podcast to find it that way, or just click the episode description and there's a direct link in there as well. I have a small favor to ask and would be so very, very grateful if you could take a quick minute to leave a review and rating for this podcast so others can find us uh, and benefit from this information as well. And if you're not sure how to leave an iTunes podcast review, just click the episode description and at the bottom I have step-by-step directions that can help you out with that. Thank you so much again and have a fantastic day.